Welcome to CEO to Rainmaker, a practical small business educational podcast designed to increase an owner's executive skills, raise profits, and achieve long-term sustainability. And now your host, Gene Valdez. You know, the commercial banking industry is critical to keeping the U.S. economy engine firing on all cylinders, as it is the primary source of credit in America. A healthy banking industry is good for everyone, be it individuals or businesses. Can you imagine having to buy all your stuff, like a house, a car, inventory, or a commercial building with your own cash? I suspect the very rich could probably make that happen, but for the average person, it will never happen. And as such, the level of U.S. commerce activity as we know it would almost come to a screeching halt. My guest today is Keith Sirwinski, who's going to share with us his perspective on the state of the commercial banking industry during COVID, post-COVID, and maybe some future technology. Keith has been in the commercial banking industry for over 30 years, and if you've seen him He's so young looking, you'd think, how did that happen? And is currently a regional executive vice president for American Business Bank, one of the most respected business banks in the greater Southern California area. I think I'll ask Keith this question when we bring him out. I think they, they, they were honored or, or nominated or awarded a high achievement for their, their role in the commercial banking industry. More than a banker, Keith is considered a trusted advisor to many of his CEOs that he works with. So I'm super excited to have him. And in the words of Larry the Cable Guy, let's get her done. And let's bring out Keith. Keith, how are you? I'm great, Gene. Thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate the kind introduction as well. Yeah, so you're going to dispel the myth that... um, Bankers have personalities. You know, because <laughs> I know you got a good one. <laughs> well, thanks. That's, that's great for you to say. You know, a lot of people, when they conjure up the image of a banker, they think it's the guy in the three piece suit with a, the time watch next to them and just that real stern, solid, mean look. And, you know, that's not what banking is all about. And I don't know if it ever was. Certainly not in 30 years I've been doing this. Oh, I know. I know. And that's a nice segue, Keith. So you've been doing this over 30 years. And how would you categorize your industry today? Is it healthy, not so healthy, and why? Give me some candid comments on that. Gene, I would say it's healthy. You know, it's it's funny. When I got into, when I graduated high school, let's go back a few years, there was 18,000 FDIC-insured banks. Today, there's about 5,000 of them. Wow. You know, the the banking world has continued to evolve. I mean, think about this. So when I actually got out of college and got into banking, my first job was 1989. Shortly after that, we had the SNL crisis. After that, we had the dot-com crisis. There was 9-11. There was the Great Recession. Now we have COVID. The American public, the banking and the financial system have had to go through a lot of changes during this time. And there's been banks that have made it. And unfortunately, there's been some banks that have not made it. Today, you still have your national banks, you have your regional banks, and you still have those good old community independent banks that are much more personable and very close to the relationships with the business owners 
that they work with. Sounds good. That sounds good. So the the ones that had made the cut are the strong ones. And so that which leads you to make the comment, well, it's healthier now because we have stronger banks. Maybe a lot of them, a lot of banks that we had the 18,000, there was probably a lot that weren't so strong. Yeah. You know, in today's marketplace and even, even going back many years, I think it's those banks that have succeeded are those banks that have really gotten to know their customer. They've really rolled up their sleeves and tried to understand what makes them tick, what keeps them up at night, what are important to them and their objectives. I think when you really look at that and understand numbers don't look, numbers don't pay me back. It's the business owner, the entrepreneurs that pay me back. And so they've got to, we've got to, we have a trust-based relationship. They've got to trust me that I'm going to be their advocate for them. And I, and similarly, it's got to be trust coming the other way. Let me ask you this question. The, the, the banking industry is supposed to be for-profit, independently owned, but I've always felt it's sort of a pseudo-monopoly because I'm not, I don't know if the average business person is aware of how involved federal bank examiners are within the context of individual banks. Can you can you comment? What did exactly do they do? That's a that's a great question. You know, if someone asked me what I do for a living, I could say I'm a banker. I could also say I'm in law enforcement. So <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you know, the bank, remember, we are FDIC insured. The government provides a level of insurance on deposit accounts to every bank that's out there. The banks are are regulated by the federal examiners and state examiners in some cases. Those examiners are interested to ensure that we are, one, watching for the flow of funds that come into the bank, the source of funds, uh, how if we make funds available to a company, how those funds will be used. You know, Gene, I remember 30 years ago when I did get into banking, you could walk into any branch of a bank and be able to open up a business account. And it was this long, skinny form that you sign right there at the new accounts desk. Today, it is much different. We go under, uh, there's BSA, there's uh, compliance review before an account can even be opened. Source of funds and use of funds, very important to the government. A lot of compliance. So, you know, from the age of, terrorism to the age of money laundering to trafficking and so on the government is using us in a sense as the uh, front line to ensure laws are not broken and you know rules are adhered to well let me let me go off on another tangent uh, uh, but on the same the same concept i had heard keith that the federal bank examiners actually go inside a bank and they look at their loan books and actually give them a grade like a b c d f and if you keep this up you f guys we're going to take you out of business is that true do they do they rate what you guys do as far as loan extensions they absolutely do uh, the auditors come into the bank usually once a year whether it's the fdic office of controller or the state regulators, they go into a bank and examine the credit policy, the management structure, the asset quality, the liability. Remember, to banks, our deposits are liabilities. Depositors want to, for depositors to sleep well at night, they want to make sure their bank is lending the money out in a, in a judicious way and in a careful manner. So regulars are that checkup to ensure that banks are doing the right thing. And unfortunately, when there were many banks around, and when there was an economic downturn or ups and downs, there's not enough regulars to go out there and watch what every bank is doing. So it's got, really, it, got it. So just as important as we as bankers look at the management team of companies that we're looking to bank, 
I'd say folks that are putting significant dollars in the bank want to ensure that they know the folks that are, you know, steering the bank. Oh, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. So let me shift gears a little bit. So technology is advancing every single day. What are your thoughts on technology and how has it changed how you service your business CEOs today versus maybe when you first got started? What's the big difference? Well, here's the big difference. It's a generational difference. So there's a lot of folks that are that are my age that still do things the old-fashioned way, still like to talk to a live body to move money from their line of credit into their checking account and so on. That next generation that's coming up behind, the millennials, they like things electronic and they're accustomed to that. And they, they're very advanced in their knowledge and understanding and in their use of electronics. So fintech has become uh, very big out in the marketplace today. And that's financial technology. You see some of the bigger banks that are out there, the national banks have actually gone and acquired many of these fintech companies. It's important for any bank today to be on the cutting edge of technology because that's how money moves around. That's how decisions are made for, that's how payables are done. That's how receivables are collected using technology. However, the one thing that what I've realized, the the marketplace that I've worked in for all of my career has been the small to medium-sized middle market business. Those business owners want to deal with a banker. They want to be able to pick up the phone, talk to somebody. They want a banker that comes to their office. It's more personal. So yes, the technology is important. So did the emergence of COVID, Keith, did it make it harder for business owners to qualify for business loans, maybe in the industry and then maybe down to your level of your particular bank or was there no factor or was there a factor and and why? COVID uh, wrecked havoc in the marketplace March of 2020. Most folks did not know what was going to happen next. When you say most folks, was it business owners, bankers, everybody? Business owner, everybody actually. I I would say me as a banker, me as an individual, when the economy shut down in March of 2020, and you were sitting at home and you had you had to stay home until we really knew what was going on. You said to open up your window at home and you couldn't hear anything except the birds. It was the strangest thing of silence. Having said that, did did uh, COVID affect business? Absolutely. Devastated many in the hospitality business. Look, I have manufacturers and distributors that serve hospitality, serve restaurants and so on. That they had they had some really difficult times now. I'm not a big proponent of big government spending, but in this particular case, I think it was very important and relevant that the government stepped up and provided financing and funding for businesses to stay afloat. These were the PPE loans? PPP loans, uh, the SBA idle loans, that was a disaster relief loans. So there was many programs that have been out there in the last uh, the last 18 months that were, they it was a lifesaver for many businesses. And while, some of these businesses did not bring the people back right away into their business because the volume wasn't there. The PPP financing provided the business owner to keep those folks on the payroll. And hence, they were able to maybe come back to a job for a business that was still there post-pandemic. So what about the, the future that maybe you see as an executive with ABB and maybe the future as the industry in general sees in dealing with the potential changes 
of delivering the service that you provide, when you consider things like advancements in artificial intelligence, robotics, online capabilities, or anything else, do you and your management team talk about that? What do you guys see, or are you just going to keep it the old-fashioned way? It still boils down to, I want to meet my CEO one-on-one and have a personal touch service. You know, that's, that's really important for sure. But, you know, I look at my business, and it certainly has evolved. When I started in business team 30 years ago, I used to sell products and services to businesses. Today, you know, what is a bank? A bank makes, you know, lends money and babysits deposits. Well, that's only 20% of what I do. Today, 80% of my time, 70, 80% of my time is spent being consulted to business. I'm talking to them about what's happening you know, in terms of supply chain issues. I'm talking to them about inventory. You know, before it used to be just in time inventory. Now it's just in case because of the supply chain. I'm talking to them about wages and the wage increases and finding the employees. Everyone's looked, every one of my customers from your manufacturer, distributor, contractor, they're looking for employees. They're looking for people to fill those spots. And whereas before you had maybe a 5% turnover rate, today you're having 20 to 30% turnover rate of folks. And we're talking about where wages have lifted and gone from 10 bucks, 11 bucks an hour to at minimum 15, 16, $17 an hour here in Southern California. And you're still seeing a turn there. So I'm talking to them about issues that really affect their business. And being in the business a while, seeing about 100 new companies a year. Look, Gene, I see the good, the bad, and ugly. And my job, I like to think about it, is try to tell the business owners what I think I see is working out in the marketplace. Try to tailor it and help them understand what is happening and how they can be prepared for the next COVID, the next war, the next recession. Well, I love that approach. Do you think your your brethren in the industry are, are taking that approach, or is that just your unique philosophy? Gene, I'd like to think you know the folks that I compete with out in the marketplace, they're good. Uh, the folks here at ABB, or even myself, I just have to be better. Gotcha, gotcha. So let's make it really simple. So uh, let's say I have a, we have my listeners out there, and you've been in the industry for. All these years, you've seen all these types of companies, you've been through COVID, you've been through changes. What are, let's just say, three key tips that you could share with my audience that you believe, if they implemented, would really stack the odds in their favor that their loans could be approved by a bank? Maybe in general, or then maybe the ABB way, if you think it's different. Here's how I think about it. I look at a business and I want to see that the, the entrepreneur, that they have a plan. In a sense, they've surrounded themselves with the right people. And the right people include that outside unpaid board, being a banker, being a CPA, being a commercial insurance broker, or even an attorney. They want to surround themselves with the right people that will help them grow and understand the ups and downs of business, number one. Number two, be transparent with your banker. Your banker you want as your partner. You want to call them the bank. You want to call them your partner. Many folks complain or make comments that bankers always want to hand out that umbrella when, when there's no rain. As soon as it rains, that they want to pull it away, meaning that they're always ready to give you money when you don't need it. I use the expression that I'm going to give you the umbrella when you don't need it, but when it rains, please make room under that umbrella for me to stand there with you and we'll get through this. 
The third thing is I want to see that a business owner, executive, fully that they're fully invested in that business, that their attention is there. They don't have other ventures going off, that this is just not part and parcel of just some investment stream or income that they have, that this is really what it is. They're, they're just as passionate about their business as potentially I am is about being the banker to that business. You take those ingredients, you put those together. I think that's part of a winning formula. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Well, Keith, if I any of my listeners want to get a hold of you because we're getting close to running out of time, what is the best way to contact you? Uh, real simple. I'd say you, when you go to my email address is ksawinski at americanbb.bank. Pretty easy to understand. Or go to my LinkedIn page. You'll see me there. Connect with me. I'd love to just have a conversation. I just like to get to know good people. All right. And um, I heard that you stated earlier that the first 25 people that do do that would get a free Hamilton Beach five-speed blender. Is that true? <laughs> you know, as a matter of fact, I have a number of those collected over the years from uh, all those years in banking. I'll be happy to be standing at the door and pass them out. <laughs> you will join me, by the way. <laughs> I could be the Vanna White. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Steve, Steve. Stop. All right, Keith. This has been awesome information. I really appreciate you taking time. But unfortunately, we have run out of time. So this concludes our episode today and um, i hope my listeners will glean some good information from you a real life banker with a real life personality and a wonderful smile so see you on the trail young man thank you gene pleasure and honor okay bye-bye bye now this has been ceo to rainmaker with gene valdez to find out more, like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. If you have questions, email the show. Find that link and others in the show notes. Thanks for listening and join us again next time.